welcome to another episode of the podcast, Insanity, A Peace of Mind. I am your host, Stephanie. This week is another episode on dialectical behavior therapy, also known as DBT. This is episode 154. And I'm going to do a brief recap. So last week we talked about the idea that DBT is a skills-driven cognitive behavioral therapy that draws on mindfulness, acceptance and commitment therapy, and other such therapies in order to create something that is usable for high suicidality clients, teens, eating disorders, anxiety and depression, resistant depression, treatment, resistant depression. And Marsha Linehan is the woman who aggregated all of these resources in a way that is available to everyone. Also, I'm going to stop talking about it as a therapy, and I'm going to talk about it as a body of knowledge and information that you should incorporate into your life so that you can be a better person, so that you can relate to other human beings in a more grounded, mindful, regulated way. I am going to talk about it in terms of how you can teach your children these skills. And it is not a therapy per se, but it is a way of living. Last week, we talked about the basic orientation of a DBT skills group, and they start with general skills where you get oriented and you analyze your behavior. Then there are some mindfulness skills that are really important in DBT. Then there's some interpersonal effectiveness skills, emotion regulation skills, and finally, distress tolerance skills. That is more or less how the modules in a DBT manual would be broken down. Not so important, but if you decide to pursue purchasing something like this, you'll notice kind of a pattern. So first things first, let's talk about, again, why this is important. This is a cognitive behavioral therapy which means you are using your thinking brain and you are going to attend to how your thoughts impact your feelings and your behaviors. And so that is the basic premise of DBT. And we will pursue some interesting information from that place. I mentioned last week that I am using a manual that was put together by Marsha Linehan. It is more than 400 pages. I thought that it might be available online in all or in part through some free resources. And when I looked further, it is not. And I am going to use the materials from that manual, but obviously I'm not gonna use all of it. But I want to start with some general principles, and this falls under the general skills and orientation. Some things to think about in terms of skills training 
is the very first thing you want to figure out is how to change the behaviors that you are not satisfied with, own and understand your emotions and thoughts that are linked to the problems that you have in your life, whatever they are, because these are the things that are causing you misery and distress. These are why you're not content or why you're anxious or why you might be depressed. And so you start by maybe taking a notebook and figuring out what kinds of behaviors you want to decrease. And I'm going to give you some because there are some basic things that I think everybody should work to decrease. And the first one is our mindlessness. I think it is important to decrease our mindlessness. I think it is important to decrease our judgments, the way we look at other people, the way we look at ourselves, the way we compare ourselves to other people, and then judge ourselves and other people in that context. I think we need to decrease our emotional disconnection. I think it's probably important to decrease conflict if we have some conflict in our life. We should probably decrease that. We should probably decrease the ways we behave to avoid our feelings or to avoid tasks or avoid the day-to-day things we have to do to get by. So I think we should decrease our avoidant behaviors. I think we should decrease our extreme emotions. If we are an extreme kind of person, we should probably decrease those extreme emotions and decrease the work that goes into regulating our emotions. We should decrease how hard that is. Uh, We should probably also decrease our wishing that we were somewhere, someone, or doing something else. We should decrease wanting to escape our life. We should decrease any of our addictions, any of our impulsive behaviors. So that's kind of a lot. And notice that I started in the behaviors to decrease. So you're going to take a few minutes and you're going to get out this notebook and you're going to write down the behaviors you want to decrease. I don't care if there's just one. Start there because you do want to make your life better and you make your life better by decreasing behaviors that are not serving you. On the flip side of that is to come up with those behaviors and skills that you want to increase. Now, not every one of those things that I listed in the decrease is going to have a corollary to it. But this is where DBT comes in. Because if you increase your mindfulness skills, that is a section of DBT. If you increase your interpersonal effectiveness skills, another section of DBT. If you increase your emotional regulation skills, aha, another section of DBT. And if you increase your distress tolerance skills, alas, 
yet another section in DBT, then you are going to decrease the behaviors that we talked about just a few short minutes ago. You increase skills so that you can decrease the behaviors that are not serving you. Does that make sense to everybody? Because you should stop the recording. You should be writing this down. You want to decrease negative behaviors that are not serving you, that are causing you misery, distress, that are difficult in your relationships. And then you want to increase skills. So that's the first step. And that's going to take some time. So feel free to spend some time with this. There's no need to rush. You are learning something new. You're learning new information. You're gaining knowledge. And this stuff needs to be practiced and implemented. Okay, another concept from the general section, the handouts that I'm going through, this one is just options for solving any problem. Literally read that right off of the handout. When life presents you with a problem, you have a series of options. We all do. Even if we don't think we do, we do. First one is to solve the problem, which means you have to do something different. You have to change a behavior. You have to change the situation. You might have to leave. You might have to avoid. You might have to do something, but you can solve the problem by doing something. So let's take something silly, right? Let's say I am, this is something that I want to solve. Okay, let's say I am in a discussion about household chores with my family. And it's not going very well. And I'm trying to get more help and support. And everyone is giving me a lot of excuses and reasons and schedules letting me know why they are unable or incapable or just plain don't want to do things that need to be done. So that is my problem. I can't get any real help or support. And part of the conversation is just making me feel worse. So changing the situation at this very moment, changing the situation is me saying, okay, this is not going anywhere right now. I'm letting you know that the way things are working right now is not working for me. And we do need to have this discussion. So you all need to think of different ways that you can contribute that are meaningful to you and meaningful to me. And we will have this discussion later. So that is me just stating what is happening and saying I'm out. So in that case, I chose to leave but I chose to leave with an explanation. So that's one way I could solve the problem. All right, number two option for solving any problem is to feel better about the problem. This is where I just change or regulate my emotional response to the problem. So I'm getting frustrated. I'm feeling like they're dismissing me. I'm feeling unappreciated. I'm feeling overwhelmed because I don't feel like I'm getting the support or the help I need. And so option number two is to feel better about the problem. My emotional response to the problem at the moment is all about how 
I'm not getting help. I'm not getting support. I don't feel appreciated. Well, I want to change or regulate my emotional response to that problem. So I'm going to use a cognitive behavioral therapy skill of reframing. And I'm going to be grateful that my children, adult children, still want to live with us. I want to be grateful that I can help support them in their transition years. I am going to be grateful for the things that they do do. Haha. <laughs> and for the ways they do contribute to the running of the household. So option number two is to feel better about it. Notice I didn't solve it. The problem still exists. I've just chosen to feel better about it. I can go back to step number one and solve it at another time. Okay. Option number three for solving any problem is to just tolerate the problem. Just accept and tolerate that this is how things are. And my response is frustration. That is just plain old accepting. I didn't solve it. I'm not trying to feel better about it. I'm just going to tolerate it. I'm going to say, wow, right now, at this point, I'm not getting any help. I'm not getting the support I need. And I feel really, really crappy about it. And that's got to be okay for a few minutes, a few days, a few weeks, a month, until I go back to number one and solve it. So number three is to tolerate the problem. Number four is to stay miserable. Staying miserable is just anxiety, rumination, depression, self-pity, all of those things that you feel when you can't solve it, you're not willing to feel better about it, and you're not willing to tolerate it. Your other option is to stay miserable, and sometimes this makes it worse. So those are your options. I gave you the example. I'm going to kind of dig a little bit deeper and do some more about those four options. To problem solve, I can increase my skills in interpersonal effectiveness. That is one way I could problem solve. I could learn to walk a middle path, which I will tell you about soon. I could learn problem solving skills, which go hand in hand with emotion regulation skills. All of this is included in a DBT skills workbook or manual or something like that. Number two, to feel better about the problem, I would probably dive into my emotional regulation skills. To tolerate the problem, I would probably dive into some distress tolerance and some mindfulness skills. And then to make sure that I stay miserable, I will use no skills at all. That right there in a nutshell, options for solving any problem. I'm going to switch gears for a minute and talk about some assumptions that can be made anytime you or anybody else is trying to learn new skills. Anytime you learn something new, gain new knowledge and are trying to implement it. These are some healthy assumptions. Assumptions are not truths. 
They cannot be proven, but they are useful beliefs. And so we're going to hang on to these assumptions. The first one is that people are generally doing the best they can. This is a reasonable assumption to make. In the absence of actually knowing the truth about another person, we are healthier and happier when we believe people are doing the best they can. Another one is that we can believe people want to improve. This is mostly true. And even if you can't prove it, it's a useful assumption. The people around you, the people in your life generally want to improve. A next, another one would be people need to do better. They need to try harder and find more motivation for change. So we've already established that people are doing the best they can. We know or want to assume that people want to improve, but even in those two things, it is possible to do better. And sometimes that is a minuscule movement on a scale and that's okay. The next one is that people may not have caused all our own problems, but they solve them anyway. This means that if you are not a child and you are an adult and have control over your own life, you are required to change your own behavioral responses and change your environment if and when necessary. If you cannot solve a problem and it is big enough, then you need to do what you need to do to change your responses to the problem or alter your environment. And this is how you look at other people. You are not responsible for changing another person's environment unless they are a minor in your care or they are a minor who needs your support or care because parents and caregivers have to assist those who are not capable of doing these things on their own. A next assumption you can have is that all new behaviors need to be learned in relevant contexts. Contexts, that means they have to be practiced in the situation where the skills are needed, not just learning them. So if you happen to be someone who is going to pursue a DBT group, or you've been in a DBT group, or you're just going through this information on your own, learning is great. And like maybe practicing with other group members, if this is something that is part of your life, I'm making a lot of assumptions. I'm pretty sure not many of us are pursuing DBT groups, but you might want to after you hear this. But the new behavior has to be learned in all the relevant contexts. So you learn it either from this podcast, through a workbook, through reading about it, and then you have to practice it in your relationships. So that is critical, which means you have to get buy-in from the people around you. And buy-in is just maybe an introduction of, hey, I'm trying to do things differently. I'd appreciate it if you'll help me work through some of these skills. Another one, another assumption is that all behaviors, actions, thoughts, emotions are caused, meaning there is always something that has happened, some experience that we have had, something, some conversation that causes us to feel a certain way, 
to behave a certain way, to think a certain way. And we may not always know what the cause is. And that's important because the next assumption is that figuring out and changing the causes of behavior are much better. That's a much better way to be in the world than judging and blaming. Judging and blaming are easier. It's easier to blame someone for the way we feel. It's easier to blame someone for what we think. It's easier to judge people for how they are or to judge ourselves for how we are than it is to actually figure out what is behind or what is causing us to think, feel, and behave in certain ways. I told you last week that we would also do a little bit of information gathering on the biosocial theory behind DBT. And this basically is the idea that we are all made up of certain characteristics and traits. And so we have emotional reactions, emotional vulnerabilities, regulated states, dysregulated states that have a whole lot more to do with our genetic makeup, our personality traits and characteristics, than whether we are good at regulating or good at being vulnerable or not. So let's just go over that for a few minutes. Emotional vulnerability is biological. Some people have more capacity for emotional vulnerability than other people do, and that's just the way they were born. However, emotional vulnerability can be strengthened and increased and learned. But the people who are more emotionally vulnerable are way more sensitive to emotional stimuli. They are good detectors of the subtle information that comes through emotion cues. And they notice things that those who are less emotionally vulnerable don't even notice. They experience their emotions more often than other people do. And sometimes these emotions just slam them from out of the blue. Or there's something unconscious or subconscious that happens, and then all of a sudden they're feeling away. And that feels like it's out of the blue. Emotionally vulnerable people, the ones that are born this way, have way more intense emotions, uh, intense emotions. I don't know what I just said. They're bigger and they are heavier and they last longer. So that's kind of the biology of an emotional, emotionally vulnerable person. The other characteristic in the biosocial theory that is innate and more biological in nature is impulsivity. And with impulsivity comes a lack of emotional regulating, emotional regulation skills. This can be harder for people who are impulsive. So these people often without thinking will do things that get them in trouble. You can think about this in terms of your kids or maybe siblings growing up or You know, maybe you even have a spouse who's a bit impulsive. Do they do things that seem like you are sitting back saying, wow, wouldn't have done that. 
sometimes that kind of impulsive behavior also seems to come out of the blue. There doesn't seem to be any lead up. And so you're observing something that all of a sudden surprises you. Impulsive people tend to lack the ability to be effective in their lives, right? Day-to-day living. Sometimes their emotional mood swings or their impulsivity gets in the way of organizing their life, staying on track, accomplishing things, meeting their goals. Sometimes that's hard for them. The other thing that is difficult for impulsive people is the behaviors that are linked to their moods are much more, seem like they are much more out of control. So they have a hard time controlling their behaviors when they are reacting in terms of how they're feeling about something. So that is a little bit about the biosocial stuff. Let's keep going. Um, If you are a more sensitive person and you live in an environment that invalidates those sensitivities, that is a difficult place to be. So if you have someone in your life who is like this, it is important to be aware of that because it's necessary to create an environment that is a lot more validating of these big reactions, these impulsive behaviors, these out of control emotions. You don't want to tell someone who is more vulnerable emotionally that they're too much, that they're dramatic, that they shouldn't feel a certain way. So you need to be more present with these people. You need to not ignore these outbursts because that's another way of invalidating them. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to invalidate and you may not know how to do anything different. So on the flip side of that, it's important to realize that if you are in a relationship or a family, or you do experience invalidating in invalidation for your emotional vulnerability, the people in your life may not know how to do anything different. They may be afraid of what validation actually means. They may be in their own state of stress. They may not actually have time to validate an emotion. They may not know how to validate an emotion. They may not ever be able to validate your emotion. And so that's just something to consider. If you are one of the people who has these higher sensitivities, an ineffective social environment is also problematic if you are a person who is trying to learn the skills of regulating your own emotions. It's hard to do that if you are in an environment where someone cannot validate your work because that environment might actually be more reinforcing to the out of the blue or the over the top or the dramatic in the higher sensitivities of those emotionally vulnerable people. If others demand that you change, 
or demand that you do something different, but don't have any skills to offer you, then again, it's hard to be your own agent of change if you don't have that kind of support. Let's be done with DBT for this particular episode. I will keep going with it. I would remind you that it is a skill set and not a therapy. It is going to be relevant to parenting, and we will talk about that as we go. I will do this for as long as I want to, and then I will stop, which is pretty much how I do all of my series. I will be posting some stuff on the Instagram about communication, about DBT, and basically about anything I find interesting during the week or weeks. And I have read some recent reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for those. If this is valuable to you, please share it with friends and family, and then ask them to share it with friends and family. More reviews are always helpful. I am looking forward to a new year with all of you along for the ride. Let's end this podcast with a quote by Eric Butterworth. Don't go through life, grow through life and have a great week.